really happy to be with you guys this morning. I'm going to apologize in advance. Uh, last night I had to give a toast at a wedding, and uh, so I was kind of like writing that this week as well as the sermon. And so if I start talking about Ian and Megan and uh, marital bliss and things like that, just know that that's, I'm just getting a little mixed up today. So um, I want to go ahead and also thank Luke um, for giving me the best passages to preach on. Um, I think last time I was up here, I talked about how Jesus just yelled at everyone and just talked about how much he can't wait to get away from his disciples and, you know, this wicked, ruthless generation. And today I get to get up and tell everybody to give away all their money. So um, I really appreciate that. Uh, today is going to be um, a tough one, um, but it's also going to be a really good one. So uh, at the times where it's seeming a little rough, just stick with me, okay, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to end well. It's going to be good, um, just as with all things that Jesus is involved with. Um, let me just go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into it. Dear Lord Jesus, we need you this morning. I ask Holy Spirit that you would come now. We pray that you would fill me and help me this morning. And I uh, pray that you would fill all of us. Uh, help us to receive this. God, convict us where we need it. Challenge us where we need it. And I pray that you would encourage us and empower us where we need it today. I ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to just start off um, by just making sure that you guys know that I am uh, no, uh, I have not perfected this, what we're about to talk about today. Um, a lot of times whenever me and Maritza go and do anything, uh, you'll see me with my backpack on, and uh, in my backpack it's just full of all sorts of camera toys. I love to record things and make videos and all that, and so I got in my backpack, uh, you know, a a camera and like a little GoPro and a drone and all of the fixings and toys and stuff like that that go with it. Um, and we were at the beach uh, last summer and some guy, uh, one of the employees there, I think he must have seen me flying around my drone uh, and then, uh, you know, I had the, my camera out playing with that and then I walked over to him. We we're getting ready to get on the jet ski and I had a, a GoPro on my head uh, <laughs> looking like a total goob. And the guy just looked at me and I'll never forget what he said. He just said, you are a man of many gadgets, my friend. <laughs> and I was like, all right, great. Just going to take that and own it uh, from now on. So uh, today, as we're talking about uh, giving away all our money, uh, know that uh, I'm not coming to you as some monk who has renounced all his possessions or anything like that. I'm coming to you as a man of many gadgets. Okay, so... Go ahead and open up with me to Matthew 19. That's where we're going to be today. All right. So um, Jesus is hanging out, and uh, a rich man approaches him. And this is the conversation that they have, uh, starting in verse 16. It says, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I lack still? And Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go. Sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Okay, uh, I don't want to talk about money yet. First thing I want to talk about is, I don't know if you noticed this. I really have never noticed this until uh, I was studying up for this sermon this week. But do you notice that he comes up to Jesus, and Jesus, he says, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And what does Jesus say? He says, just keep the commandments. That's it. He just says, keep them. And so uh, he he says, which ones? And he lists off all these commands, and the guy goes, okay, I kept all those. What else do I lack? And it's almost like Jesus was like not expecting him to say that because Jesus said, just keep the commandments. But whenever he says, I've kept them, he goes, oh, um, also go sell all your stuff, right? It's almost like Jesus is taking, like Jesus said, okay, this is what you have to do. Here's the, here's the goal. Here's the goal post. Uh, you got to get it through there. And then he says, I did that. And he goes, oh, okay. And it's like he moved it back another 20 yards, right? He said, keep the commandments. Oh, you did that? All right, go sell all your stuff. I almost think like if he did go sell all of his stuff, it's almost like Jesus would be like, okay, um, now jump on one foot and turn around 10 times, right? Jesus is, it seems like he's moving the goal back, right? But Whenever he's doing this, Jesus is not actually trying to change the rules on the man, but Jesus is trying to show him something very important. And that is that Jesus did not come to show people the way. He came to be the way. Do you notice that most people, whenever they come up to Jesus in the Gospels, they call, what do they call him? Usually they come up to him and they call him Lord. Usually they come up and call him Master expecting that they owe him some kind of allegiance. They owe him some kind of following. But this guy comes up, and do you remember what he calls him? He calls him teacher. This man came up to Jesus and saw him as a teacher who was going to show him the way to salvation. He didn't come to him as the Savior, as the Lord, who was the way of salvation. And this is really important because Jesus, this is what Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't come just to be another good teacher and to hand out a rule book or to come and say, hey guys, uh, you know what, like Moses came down with the stone tablets and he told y'all what to do. Um, I've come with just a few uh, emendations to that. Uh, go ahead and check out the pork section. You'll, I think you'll like what we did there. Um, you can eat bacon now as a Christian, you know, before they couldn't do that. That was the joke. Yikes, that was rough. Um, see, Jesus didn't come to give a whole new set of rules. Jesus came to show people the way. Before, the way that people were relating with God was through these rules. And the way that a lot of people viewed it was God was up here, and we have these rules down here. We're going to keep those rules, and then we're gonna, if, I, if we do that, then I'm going to be good with God. But Jesus is coming, and now he's saying a new thing. And you see what we get hung up on in this passage is that the main thing everybody pays attention to is go sell all your stuff. And we're like, oh gosh. But I'm going to propose that going and selling all this stuff is actually not the most important thing that Jesus said. The most important thing that Jesus said to that man were these two words, follow me. You see, you, you want to get a little bit of relief real quick? 
Jesus tells someone to sell all of their possessions only one time, and it's this guy. This is the only guy that Jesus says to sell all of your possessions. But you know what Jesus says to everyone? Follow me. Follow me. And this is the point, is that Jesus wants a relationship. Jesus isn't here to make more rule followers. You see, what happens with rules is if that is how God works. If God is just all about, and this is where religion gets a lot of people, it's God's up here, he's given us the rules, and we keep the rules and we're okay with God, but there's no, there doesn't have to be a relationship whenever things work like that. And you see, the thing with Jesus, the one who was standing before the rich man, he was Emmanuel. He was God with us. He had come not to just hand out rules, but he had come to give us one to be with, give us God to be with and God to follow. And this is so important for us to understand because if we just see it as rules, we might, not, we might miss out on the relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. What I love about, uh, this isn't in Matthew's account, but it's in Mark's account, Jesus isn't trying to just put heap a burden on this guy. You know what Mark says about him? It says that when Jesus looked at him, he loved him. Jesus wasn't here to test the guy or to show people exactly how hard it is. He knew that life was found not in all these possessions this guy had, but it was going to be in following him. Jesus is trying to lead him into life. Okay, I'm going to move on. You guys aren't amening or anything, so now let's talk about money, okay? You brought this on yourself. <laughs> let's go to um, verse 23. This is what Jesus said right after the man walks away. It says, Truly I tell you, with great difficulty the rich enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And right after this, the disciples heard it, and they were greatly astonished, and they asked, Who then can be saved? Now, I feel like that's a really dumb question, because he just said, It's really hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they go, Well, who can be saved? Well, what's the obvious answer? Probably the not rich, right? Like that would be just the logical thing to follow what Jesus just said. But here's the, here's the thing, is the way that they saw things is that rich people were blessed by God and had God's favor and therefore were righteous. Do you remember the blind man, the man born blind? The disciples go up and they say, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his father? And he said, nobody. It's actually for, uh, so that this man uh, could be healed and give glory to God. But people had this view, if you were sick or you were poor, it was God's punishment on you. And so you definitely weren't righteous, and you definitely weren't going to heaven. And so whenever they hear this, Jesus says, guys, the rich are barely going to make it in if they make it in at all. And so they can't even handle this idea. And so they say, who can be saved? And notice Jesus doesn't say the poor. Listen to what he says. He looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I want you guys to know that it's not just the rich, it's not just for the rich that it is impossible to get into heaven, but it's also for the poor. It's also for all of us. And I believe this is a little bit of foreshadowing of Jesus and what he was going to do for all of us. 
that only with God is it going to be possible that we can have a relationship with God, and that being the death of his son. But I want to rewind a little bit and talk about the money thing, okay? Now, it's because of what I just told you, like what we just talked about right here, where he's talking about, you know, with God all things are possible, and it makes a lot of people kind of think that this isn't totally about money per se, that maybe this passage is more about uh, showing and demonstrating that you can't keep the law well enough, you can't give away enough possessions to be saved, you can only be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And that, that could be true. But do not let that take away from the weight of what Jesus just said about money. And even if we can explain away this passage and say, oh, this doesn't have anything to do with money, it has to do with grace and salvation and works and all that stuff, well then, we have a few other passages that we have to deal with. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then Paul says this in 1 Timothy 6. He says, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. In Luke 12, 15, he says, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. We cannot get around this, y'all. Unless you want to take a sharpie through half of the New Testament, you're going to have to come to grips with the fact that the desire for money and following Jesus are always going to be coming against each other. Money, you know why Jesus, Jesus talked about money more than anything. And the reason that that is, is he knew that money was always going to be the main rival, the main competitor for our hearts. Money is the thing that tries most often to climb up on the throne of our hearts where Jesus belongs. And we can't get around this. It's all over the place in the New Testament. And if we are going to be disciples of Jesus, we have to be making sure that money is not taking that seat, that throne in our hearts where Jesus belongs. Okay? <clears throat> I want to read you guys something... Um, that I found in a book. It's uh, called Radical by David Platt, and I love the subtitle. Um, the subheading, it says, Taking Back Your Faith from the American Dream. That's something that needs to happen. Uh, he had just given a sermon about this story that we're reading, and he was calling his church to, obviously, radical generosity and forsaking money for following Jesus. And so uh, a man came into his office, and this is their interaction said, a wealthier man in our faith family came to my office after we had been studying the story of the rich young man. He sat down, looked at me, and said point blank, I think you're crazy for saying some of the things that you're saying. Y'all, people come into pastor's offices and say some rough stuff. <laughs> <laughs> then he paused, and I wasn't sure what direction this conversation was going to go. He continued, but I think you're right. And so now I think I'm crazy for thinking some of the things that I'm thinking. For the next few minutes, he described how he was selling his large house and had decided to give away many of his other possessions. 
He talked about the needs he wanted to invest his resources in for the glory of Christ. Then he looked at me through tears in his eyes, and he said, I wonder at some points if I'm being irresponsible or unwise. But then I realized there is never going to be a day when I stand before God, and he looks at me and says, I wish you would have kept more for yourself. I'm confident that God will take care of me. Remember, I told you that this is the only man in the entire Bible that Jesus tells somebody to give away all their possessions, right? Zacchaeus only gave away half his possessions, and Jesus said, salvation has come into, the house, into this house today. So I'm not saying go sell all your possessions, but what I am saying is do something. Do something. Does your life look any different from your non-Christian neighbors when it comes to money? Do you spend... We are supposed to be a city on a hill, the light of the world, the salt of the earth. That means different. In every area of our life, the way that we talk to our kids, the way that we work at our jobs, the way that we interact with people, and the way that we use our money. Does your life look any different? See, Jesus is calling us into something radical. Go do something big. Let me ask you this. Have you ever asked yourself, when is enough enough? Have you ever thought about that? Most of us don't think about that. Most of us just assume that if I keep working and I, I, I keep working hard, I get an education and I have experience and all that, I'm going to keep climbing the ladder at work and over time I'm going to get paid a little bit more and then I'm going to pay a little bit more and I'm going to pay a little bit more and then I'm going to retire. Have you ever stopped and thought though, like, when is enough enough? I'm going to make this much money, and then that's all I need for me. Because the typical American thing to do is, well, if I get enough money, I'm going to buy a house. And then if I get a little bit more money, I got a house, well, now I guess I'll upgrade my car. Okay, well, now I guess I'll pay for my kid's college. Okay, well, now I guess I'm going to, I got some more money, now I'm going to buy a second house. And then I'm going to, and then fill in the blank. Do you notice that it just never stops? For a majority of people. You see, John Wesley, he was one of the great uh, revivalists and one of the great awakenings. And what he would do is he, he had this experience where he was in his house and uh, he had just bought some new paintings for his wall and um, he was hanging them all up. And uh, at the same time, one of the maids came in and it was a freezing cold day. It was a blizzard outside. And she came in and all she had on was like a gown and she was freezing to death. And he saw that, and he said, oh my gosh, these paintings decorating my wall are the blood of this woman. And so from that day on, he set a modest cap for his life. And he said, this is how much I'm going to live up to. This is what's going to cover my needs. And anything beyond that, I'm going to give it away to those who need it more than I do. And if you put it in today's terms, basically he lived on about $20,000 worth of money. And he made about 160, and he gave away about 140. Jesus, help me. When is enough enough? What if, <clears throat> let's get practical, maybe we're not going to give away all our stuff. What if, though, we gave our tithe, we gave our 10% to the Lord, and what if we just took away another 10% and we just started stuffing that away 
in a separate account, and we say, this is going to be here for somebody who needs it. And maybe after a year or two, you can buy somebody a car who needs transportation to get to work in our church family. What if we just gave something away? Have you ever given anything away that you weren't done with already? I can't think of very many times that I have. <clears throat> I had a friend, or I knew, I knew someone who, uh, they were really just had a lot of things that they wanted at the moment. Um, they just, you know, they wanted uh, a few different material things. Uh, there was like five or six different material things that they were really wanting, didn't have the money for, but just like, man, I just, I, I really want that. You know, I'd be really happier if I had that. And um, basically what they did is they had already bought one of those things, and they they looked at some of these passages about, um, about giving and all this stuff in the Bible, and they really felt like the Lord was leading them um, to give away the one thing that they did have um, out of those like five or six things that they were really wanting. And, um, <clears throat> and so it was really painful, but the guy was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And so he found somebody else who could really use that item, and he took it and he gave it to them. And uh, he said it was amazing. He said, uh, the desire for all the rest of the things just completely disappeared out of his heart. He said he became free from it. He became released from that materialistic desire. And so this is what Jesus is talking about whenever he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me encourage you, try to give away some of your treasure. Are you worrying about money? Are you, are you hung up on your, getting your retirement just right? Are you hung up on, I just need this, or man, if I just had that, I'm happy? Try and give something away and see what happens. This is what Jesus is talking about. He said it's the reverse. Jesus came and flipped so many things upside down, and this is one of them. We think what America tells you is, you'll be happier if you get this thing. You'll be happier if you just buy that. But Jesus comes along and he says, actually, you're going you're gonna to be more content whenever you give away what you already have. This is real. I love the miracles. I love hearing about people being healed. I love hearing about Jesus doing amazing, miraculous things, the signs and wonders and all this stuff. But there's so much power in even something like this that is not miraculous, overtly. People loving their enemies. And people get going completely backwards from the American dream and giving away their stuff rather than hoarding. I want to see that. I want to see that testimony of Jesus Christ. Because when people see that, they know, that's when they know that there's something different about these people. There's something different about this. Maybe there is truly happiness in something that's more than just material. <clears throat> Let's keep on reading. <clears throat> So we're picking up in verse 25. And the disciples are hearing what Jesus just said. That it's harder for a rich person to go uh, into the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And they hear that. And they say, obviously they're thinking about themselves. And they say, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And I, I find this very interesting because usually whenever they ask a question like this, you, I really feel like just Jesus is about to let them have it. 
I feel like Jesus is about to pull out another one like, are you so dull? You have little faith. But he doesn't do that here. Uh, And it's very surprising. And this is what he does say. He says, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit also on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Wow. I did not expect that. Uh, Jesus is saying, yes, you did leave everything for me. You left your boats. You left your families. You left your tax booths to follow me. And here is what you will receive in return. You will sit on twelve thrones beside the Son of Man and judge the twelve tribes of Israel. That's pretty incredible. And he goes on to talk about us. And he says, And everyone else who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wives or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. I like um, Mark's account because I think it's even more potent. It says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, all the things, for my sake and for the gospel, who will not who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. And this is super important because a lot of times, you know, most of us are pretty aware that, yes, if I do what God wants and I sacrifice and things are hard, like, he'll make it worth it whenever I go to heaven and I'll be rewarded and all that good stuff. I'll get a crown and jewels in my crown and all that stuff. We all, most of us get that. But this right here, Jesus is saying, he makes a, hard, like a, a very clear distinction. He says, those who, of you who left all these things, who made these sacrifices in this life, will receive in this time, in this age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Is it a little bit odd to you that, I, I always thought that this was a little bit odd whenever Jesus is talking about money and giving up all your stuff, and then all of a sudden he kind of shifts over to talking about uh, moms and dads and brothers. Well, back in their time, your financial security was tied to the people that you were with. And so for them to leave a father or a mother who was probably the one that owned the land, that was probably going to be their inheritance. And it's probably how they made their daily living was working on their father's land. And so to leave him would mean you're forsaking your whole entire future. You're throwing away your 401k. If you were to leave your children, he's not talking about leaving your small children who are still dependent upon you. Jesus isn't calling people to do that. But he's talking about leaving your grown children, the ones who are going to take care of you whenever you get older. This is your retirement plan. He said, if you leave them, if you do all this, you are going to inherit in this life a hundred times as much brothers and mothers and children and lands and houses. Now, obviously, like a big part of this, I think we know, is talking about here. It's talking about the church, right? Whenever we're giving up and walking away from our old family, we're walking away, um, not necessarily, but if following Jesus means us being alienated from our family, they're saying that this, we are going to receive that much more in the body of Christ. Now, there's that. But we're also just talking about Jesus being a good master who takes care of his servants. 
Jesus is not going to call anyone to anything that he's not going to abundantly provide for them for. Um, I want to tell a story real quick. Um, there is a guy named Michael Miller, and he's the pastor of the church called Upper Room in Dallas. Um, and he was telling us uh, in a sermon about there was, um, it was an early time in the ministry of the Upper Room, and the church was just being planted, and he was the pastor, but they weren't taking any kind of offerings, so he had no income, and they were just living on their wife's, his wife's income. And uh, the problem was they, had, they were spending a lot, much more, a lot more money than they were making. And so they had a lot of debt, and um, they uh, were about to have a baby. She was pregnant, and they are about to have a baby. They didn't have any money for the delivery uh, coming up um, in like a month. And so <clears throat> they were really bothered by this, as most of us are in that situation. And so what they did was they just went into their rooms. They separated him and his wife, and they went and prayed. And they said, God... Uh, we have no money, and we're having this baby, and we're up to our eyeballs in debt, and we don't know what to do. And he said, what do we do? And in prayer, he really felt like the Lord had told him, sell your car, or give away your car, sorry. He's like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, he said, I'm here talking to you about my, my need, and you're here talking to me about my possessions. And so he goes, all right, I'm obviously not hearing from the Lord. Um, and he goes up to his wife, and he says, I'm not hearing from the Lord. Um, what did God tell you? And she goes, God told me we need to give away our car. And he goes, oh, my gosh. So, I mean, what do you do after that? Like, you have to give away your car. <laughs> and so um, it was really tough, and it took a few weeks, but they were able to finally find a guy uh, to give the car to. They went, they dropped off the keys, gave it to him, said, hey, enjoy my car. And um, after that, um, they left, and they were just like, okay, God. And that evening, that same day, that evening, um, they had a guy who they had pretty recently just met, didn't really know him. He was a guy from out of town who just taken an interest in them and wanted to go out to dinner with them. And so they went out to this dinner and uh, didn't order any appetizers uh, or dessert or anything like that. But while they're at the dinner, the guy, uh, he asked them, tell me about your financials. <laughs> and he's like, what about them? And the guy just starts prying, and he starts like, do you have any debt? Like, what is your income? Like, uh, do you have any expenses? Like, uh, what, like, t just tell me about, like, all your, he's like asking all these questions. He's like, dude, this guy needs to, like, leave me alone. Like, this is not okay. Uh, this is not like dinner talk. Um, and so he told him all this stuff, and he opened up, and he's like, all right, I guess I'm just going to tell him. And at the end of the dinner, <clears throat> the guy handed him an envelope with a check that would cover all of their debt. It was enough to buy them a new car four times over and pay for the delivery. On the same day that he gave away the car. Here is like the most sad thing to me about the rich young ruler. He left when he found out about how much following Jesus would cost him. And he went away sad before he could find out how much he would gain from following Jesus. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. I'm not saying go sell all your stuff and Jesus is just going to 
send you the guy with the check who's going to, you know, give you all the money. You know, he says, with, you know, all the houses and brothers and sisters, mothers, children, lands, with persecutions, right? This is not a good uh, financial plan if you're trying to, like, make it, okay? But what we are talking about is that when Jesus calls us to something, he's going to provide a way. Whenever Jesus calls us to something, he blesses the obedience, we have to know this because so many times, like, we get this, we play out this scenario in our mind, okay, but Jesus, I know you're asking me to do this, but if I do that, then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and then my kids won't go to college, and then I'm going to be homeless, and all this stuff. But let me tell you, that's not how it works in the kingdom. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, and all this will be given to you. Jesus is saying, I will take care of my servants. It is safe to follow Jesus into radical generosity. He's there. I want to close just with this, uh, with, with this last verse that I feel like really illustrates what we're talking about here. In Luke chapter 12, most of it is about money. And there it starts off with the man who comes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. Pretty reasonable request, I feel like. He says, Lord, split the inheritance with me. And you know what Jesus says to him? He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, because life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Wow. Jesus said that that is even more important than fairness. He said, actually, it's more important that you just make sure that you don't get wrapped up in greed and lose your life, okay? But after this, it starts Jesus talking about money, and, you know, it goes into the parable of the rich fool who builds the barn, and he said, you know what, I've had a good harvest, you know, uh, my 401k is looking really good, I'm just going to chill and take it easy. God comes to the guy and says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And after that, we get to where Jesus starts talking about, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear. And he talks about, look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, but your Father feeds them. Look at the lilies of the field. You know, God dresses them even more gloriously than Solomon. Beautiful passage. And a lot of times, I think we look at that and we're like, okay, great. I'm not going to worry about money because Jesus told me not to worry about money. But did you, do you ever read on? Past that part. If you have your Bible still, I don't have it on the screen, but it says in verse 32, he says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That's really beautiful. But do you know why he's saying do not be afraid? Because in the very next verse he says, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know why Jesus is telling you about the flowers? You know why he's telling you about the birds? You know why he's telling you not to be afraid? It's because he is calling you into something that is scary. But all adventures are scary. Jesus is calling you into a beautiful, glorious adventure. And just with every good movie, every good adventure, it's gonna, there's going to be some scary parts. And Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth, is sitting on his throne, the one who can make 
money come out of a fish's mouth or make bread and wine come out of nowhere. He's saying, you, I'm giving you the go-ahead to sell your possessions and give to the poor because I'm going to take care of you. He's saying, you are free to do it. You are safe to do it. This morning, church, I'm giving you permission on behalf of Jesus to go give away some stuff. Hallelujah. Because Jesus is going to be with you. One of my favorite things from, from Easter, I loved Luke's sermon so much. I want to get t-shirts with this on it. It says, because Christ has risen from the dead, why am I, how can I go give my stuff away? How can I be outrageously generous? Because Christ has risen from the dead. Because he lives to fight for you. Because he lives to minister to you. And he lives to bless you in your obedience to him. Would y'all just pray with me? Um, just bow where you are. <clears throat> Let's just talk to Jesus for a minute. Lord Jesus, would you speak to us right now? Holy Spirit, would you move us into the will of the Father for our lives? God, we open our hands before you and say that all we have is yours. Holy Spirit, would you move in our hearts right now? What do you desire from us? Jesus, we trust you that you're calling us into something amazing. We're going to see more of you. And we are going to be abundantly blessed and better off for doing so. We love you and we trust you. Would you lead us into generosity and radical commitment to you? We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.